Hey, people of Earth, welcome back to Good Humans. Uh, this is Good Humans, you're in the right spot. I just wanted to intro this episode uh, before we get into it because there's a story attached to this episode. Um, so this week I had a friend of mine, coworker uh, of mine, Ryan Kwasniewski on the podcast. Um, went really well, I'm really happy with it. Uh, and I think you guys are gonna enjoy it. But uh, I have to tell you, what happened the night that we recorded this uh, because it's classic Josh and apparently classic Ryan as well. Uh, so we uh, stayed after work to record this episode. We recorded it uh, in, in the building that we work in. Um, and uh, so we, we found a room. Uh, we got all set up, just got going, got the whole thing done. It was great. After we finished recording, I asked Ryan if he knew the code, the security code uh, for the alarm so that we could set it when we leave. He said he did not. Neither do I. Uh, and then I told him, well, I also didn't tell anybody that we were staying to record this episode. And so neither one of us really thought anything of that either. We were like, oh, that's fine. We could just call somebody. <clears throat> so uh, I packed up my equipment. We went to get our stuff and realized that we were locked into the wing of the building in which we had recorded the podcast, and uh, that meant we were locked out of the wing of the building where all of our stuff was, including our car keys and everything else, um, with no way to get in to that side of the building because, once again, I hadn't told anybody that we were staying. Uh, so long story short, he and I both were frantically texting and calling people and uh, we ended up finding somebody who lives just like a mile down the road uh, that could use their key fob to let us into the correct side of the building where all of our stuff is. Uh, and then we eventually got home. So that whole debacle was about 30 minutes uh, of us just sort of panicking for a while until we found somebody that could help us. Um, and so uh, I definitely owe Ryan dinner. Uh, for that, at least, uh, if if not just a few drinks or something, but um, worth it is all I'll say because uh, it was a good episode, and I, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. But um, I just had to tell I had to tell that story because it it, it was funny, um, and it's just it's definitely something that happens in my life. And Ryan said apparently something that happens to him uh, fairly often as well, things like that. So anyway, I just thought it was funny. You guys might not think it's funny. This may have been a waste of your time, but it's my podcast. I'm going to do what I want to. So there you go. Um, okay. So that's all I have for you. I just wanted to tell that story. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hello, people of Earth, and welcome back to Good Humans. This is a podcast about exploring better ways to be human. My name's Josh, and I have... Uh, a new friend with me today. Um, and I say a new friend. I was gonna say that we made friends, Ryan, and I don't feel like I don't feel like we became friends. I feel like we discovered that we were friends. I agree. I agree. Uh, which is cool. That's always a nice feeling. Um, so I have with me today Ryan Kwasniewski, uh, and I was gonna be a dick, Ryan, when I when we first started this episode. When I was thinking about it, and I was gonna purposely mispronounce your name. Uh, at the beginning of it and just like see what kind of reaction I got out of you. Um, it probably would have been a pretty natural reaction just because <laughs> not a lot of people get it right. If you if you get it right, I'm more shocked at okay. that fact. But it, most of the time, people are getting it 
you know, somewhat wrong at Kwasniewski, Kawahowski, like a lot of different. <laughs> That's not even lot close. Of, I know, not even close. There's like I, they're, they're, the letters and vowels aren't even in there that, no. for that one. So um, I uh, I appreciate you getting it right. All right. Um, yeah. So Ryan Kwasniewski is with us today. Um, I work with Ryan, uh, and so I'm excited to have um, I'm, I'm excited to have a conversation today. We. Um, so we've known each other for, I mean, as long as I've been here, so like a little over a year, yeah, year and a half maybe at this point. Um, and we randomly had dinner mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. It was a stipulation. It was too. a stipulation. Let's, let's make sure we add that. It was a yes. stipulation to make sure uh, a lot of people were really looking for people to play volleyball. And my stipulation to Josh was I would only play if I got a sit-down dinner and I, I wanted to have a sit-down dinner with him. Right. And specifically you. We were looking for specifically you to play volleyball. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and so it was just sort of like a random thing. And it was great. It was absolutely wonderful. We had a good time. And we're going to, we keep saying we're going to have to do it again, but we really do need we, to do it again. We do need to do it again. I will make sure that as, I will not run late like I did last time. But oh, normally, no a lot, if the, if people, uh, people out there who know me, I am very rarely on time, uh, so I'm usually always running late. But I'm gonna, you know, that's one of my goals of 2018 and 19 to really pick that and uh, turn that around. Okay, but we have uh, we have that in common. Yes, <laughs> I'm rarely on time as well, and I'm not proud of it. But you know, it's part of my charm. I think it's part of your charm too. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm really excited. We we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Ryan's a very interesting guy, as I found out. Um, so yeah, we're gonna talk. But before we do that. Uh, listeners, thank you for listening, and um, I really appreciate you guys being here. Uh, it's I, you guys may get tired of hearing it, but I don't get tired of saying it. It's crazy that I record a thing and then just toss it out into the void of the internet, and then people actually listen to it on purpose. You have to listen to podcasts on purpose. I don't know if you realize this, Ryan. It, you don't, it doesn't happen on accident. You gotta, no, like, it definitely it doesn't happen on accident. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I appreciate you guys listening. It's, it's awesome. Uh, and I've really appreciated some of the feedback I've gotten. Um, and uh, you guys tell me what you think about the episodes um, and, and reaching out and, like, expanding on some of these ideas. Um, and, yeah, I think you're just all great people and you're killing it. So keep doing that. Um, the last thing that I want to tell you before we jump in uh, and talk to Ryan is that we uh, are now sponsored by Audible, which is great. Audible that is, awesome. is a super cool company. Um, so, Ryan, let me tell you about the deal you could get. Well, let, lay it on me. As I love a listener deals. to Everyone this knows podcast, it about me. Audible has been kind enough to extend to our listeners the opportunity to get a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial just because you're listeners of this podcast. Wow. Yeah. So what you do is you go to audibletrial.com slash goodhumans. And you just sign up there. And even if you cancel, this is a crazy part, Ryan. Audible's so cool and they're so confident that you're going to love what they got to offer. Even if you cancel, you get to keep your book. Get out of here. It's true. Wow. It's that is, true. That is a pretty great offer. I'll tell you that. It I is, mean, it no, is a pretty no. great offer. And I got to tell you, I have probably six or seven audio, nah, more than that. I have probably 10 audiobooks from Audible. Okay. Um, and they got me on board the same way. I was listening wow. to a different podcast and heard this offer, and I was like, I can't pass it up. It's literally a free book, even if I cancel. And I didn't cancel because I love it so much. That's awesome. So right now I'm listening to a book called uh, Bitten by a Camel uh, by an author named Kent Dobson, who I discovered through Rob Bell's podcast, The Robcast, mm-hmm. um, which is really, really good. 
Uh, Rob is a brilliant man, and so is Kent. Um, and so the book is about his, uh, I guess you could call it spiritual awakening. Um, it's more of a, it's more of a spiritual um, abandonment. Sounds like a negative word, but it's it's not the way he explains it. It's it's more about him discovering uh, all the excess uh, religious baggage that he was handed mm-hmm. growing up. Um, and the process of sort of shedding some of that, um, which is really, really cool. It's a great book so far. And it doesn't just apply to uh, spirituality and, like, religion. Um, some of the stuff he's talking about is is super practical um, and applies to, uh, like, it's it's literally, I'm, like, five chapters in and things have literally applied to, like, my everyday life already. That's awesome. Although, like, I am, I am as the listeners know, obsessed with religion and philosophy and spirituality, um, especially as of late, it doesn't just apply to that. So it's great. Um, so pick up your book uh, and let me know if you do this because uh, it's going to help you out, but it's also going to help out the podcast. So, um, yeah, that's all the selling I'm going to do on this episode. It was a good sell. Good. It was a great sell. I, it felt good. It felt natural. <laughs> I think people are going to sign up. All right. Ryan Kwasniewski. Yes. All right. You are um, – we're going to jump – we're going to get into all of this. Let's okay. get into it. But I'm I'm going to tell the people a little bit. I'm just going to throw some stuff out. We're going to tease them a little bit. Let's tease and them. And then we're and then we're going to get it all. We're going to get into it. You are a politician. I am. You are in the best sense of the word. You are um, a uh, a former professional wrestler. That is true. You are uh, a a digital marketing guru. Might be a stretch, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, we're just going to stick with it. Um, and you're, I, I would say you're an all-around solid, just positive vibes dude. I am a big advocate, and the people on my team um, here at uh, at Dealer Inspire, where both Josh and I work for. Um, I should have said that earlier. Yes. I was like, at the company <laughs> we work for, as if I was trying to hide it. Yes. yes. Dealer Inspire. <laughs> at Dealer Inspire, um, innovating dealers all around the world. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good sell yourself. You like that? Yeah. Um, I've been doing it for a while. <laughs> uh, so what What they actually, what I've, one of the philosophies, and we'll get more into this, but one of my big things that I really wanted to put out there uh, to my team, and, and I've tried to spread it across uh, multiple uh, uh, teams as well, is the power positivity. So that's uh, I'm a I'm a big believer in that. So if I'm, that's why I'm always kind of coming back to being very optimistic and positive about everything. I would say you're probably one of the most high energy people I know. Um, believe it or not, let me tell you this. Okay, I didn't start drinking coffee or really a lot of caffeine. Um, I would have a pop. Um, probably actually I had, I popped quite a bit back in the day. Um, but more along the lines, like getting up early and becoming an adult, um, I was, I would never take coffee. I would just wake up and I, that, that energy would just be there. And I just never thought I needed it never even wanted to try it just because I just thought it would taste bad. And then, um, you know, I, I started to drink it and it, it is really, um, it hasn't changed me. Uh, I think it's brought more energy, but I actually start to uh, like the taste. I've acquired the taste almost like wine, and wine is another big thing nice. that I like to drink. But that's one of the things that's a small fact is never drink uh, coffee ever until probably about, um, I would say about uh, September-ish, uh, October-ish of last year. So it's all cocaine-fueled. Yes, okay. very much so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a joke, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, um, very much a joke. <laughs> I don't... 
I don't think that would be possible for me. I could probably pull it off for like two days without coffee. And I don't think I could do that. What's and I'm I, I a lot of people know this about me too as well is I'm a very um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what you would call it, but I like to stay up late too. Um, it's not one of those things where I, can, I get up in the morning pretty early and, and now um, I'm finding myself getting up earlier and earlier. Like back when I was in college, I could sleep until like noon or one o'clock, like no oh, yeah. big deal, uh, especially if I could. Uh, but now I can, I can barely find myself falling or uh, uh, sleeping past like eight o'clock. Uh, luckily, I live close to the office. But um, yeah, I mean, it's... It, it it I just wake I used to just wake up and I just the energy was that was there it's still there I, I I don't drink it I don't drink coffee every day um, usually if I'm going to coffee I'm kind of going in uh, looking to kind of just get uh, a little bit of uh, one of my favorite drinks uh, and get a little bit of a pick me up probably midday uh, sometimes during the morning too as well as a uh, a throw out to Starbucks uh, a vanilla sweet cream cold brew. Uh, and my gateway coffee uh, drug that I had was actually um, the half and half. I'm actually blanking on the name. A half and half from Dunkin' Donuts that was half hot chocolate and half coffee because everyone would tease me that I would have hot chocolate every morning and that's how I'd start my day. Uh, so I started to actually play into that and went and got it. It's a Dunkachino. That's what it's called, a Dunkachino. Uh, and uh, started drinking coffee that way and then slowly bled into uh actually drinking full cups of coffee and even black now. So it's been a really quick transition for me. Uh, but you know what? There's no looking back because I actually enjoy drinking it. Okay, so like would you would you say then you're you're becoming a coffee connoisseur or you just you just know what types of coffee you like now. Do you think you're on if you're not a coffee connoisseur, do you think you're on your way to becoming one? Um, or are you happy being like a coffee layman? I would say probably somewhere in the middle. You know, not a condesseur just because I haven't been drinking it that that uh, for that long. Uh, but I, you know, I do like to test different things. So I went to this one, um, I came back from the city yesterday and just decided to, uh, bop around a little bit in Downers Grove, Illinois, uh, and their downtown. I'm not sure if you've been there before is actually pretty, yeah. pretty vibrant with, especially with some of the, the, uh, stores that they have down there, but they also have obviously a Metro train that is often coming out of there, which I've always felt is a really big, powerful tool to have for any town, especially for a downtown. Uh, but I went to Pete's Coffee. I believe that's how you uh, pronounce it, and uh, just told the guy, I said, listen, um, I've never been here before, and uh, I would really just kind of like you to pick whatever you would recommend, and he made some, I don't remember the name of it, but it, he uh, put some coffee beans in on top of uh, what looked to be kind of like a um, an hourglass, but with the top cut off. Oh yeah. Um, I'm probably obviously all the, the coffee connoisseurs out there are probably like saying, "What a moron! This guy that, doesn't even know what that's called." That the whatchamacallit. A, that may be a pour over. That could be a pour over. That sounds good. Let's. Go I don't with know that. enough either. But well, in this pour over, we're just, we just made go a lot that. of coffee people mad. Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, I apologize, guys. I'm 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 trying to learn as quick no, as I'll, I can. I'll own it. I think we both did. <laughs> it's all right. So they started to pour it um, like the like this hot tea or hot 
tea kettle that was filled with water. Um, they started to pour that, and it, it started to actually make coffee, obviously, through what was their filter, which I believe was just like kind of like a thin pe- a piece of paper, and they probably have an official name for that one, too. Um, I and, think they call uh, it a filter. Yes, a filter. Yeah. So we got. I, I went outside. <laughs> I'm being such a dick today. <laughs> I went outside and I tried it. Went black. I thought I would give it, you know, its true test. I didn't want to dilute it with any type of sweetener or anything like that. And it actually was pretty good. I, he did give me a lot, um, so I didn't really finish it. I did about a cup and a half just because I didn't want to like just shock my system and be up all night. Uh, but he did say I had a, a lot of caffeine in, it and it was it was actually pretty good. I, I'm I'm bummed that I did not get the name. Cool. I um, I'm definitely into black coffee. I uh, I mean I like a good like, you know latte or whatever. Also, but I I generally prefer to drink my coffee black for exactly what you just said. It's like I think that's like it's that's the true, you know, that's how nature intended it, man. Exactly. So you got to get that the good stuff. And it's. It, Growing up, you would hear black coffee, and I would just—I would always see my mom, or not my mom, my dad, yeah. or my or my grandmas have it, and I just always—it just—I could—I—I just—I just made it and and pointed it to something that I would just know I would never like, kind of yeah. like wine. And then you know, as soon as I started to drink wine, I, I started to inquire a taste, and same thing with with coffee. So yeah, well, awesome. I I love coffee, so we have that in common as well now. Wow. Uh, I think we just became best friends. We, I think we did. Favorite dinosaur on three. Ready? Uh, I don't know dinosaurs. <laughs> I was just kidding. Neither do I. I only know the ones that are on Jurassic Park. And I'm I was pretty just going to sure. say T-Rex. That was what I was going to go with. Yeah, Is I that think what you're the new go ones. With? With, yeah, that's what I was going to say. See, it so was fate. We really it are. It was fate. Uh, I, I was going to say, I think the new ones are, are mostly made up. Um, I agree. So, yeah. Um, and most, I think most of the dinosaur facts on there are mostly made up as well. I don't think it's a good place to learn about zoology no i don't think so probably college is where you want to go for that yeah i would say college is a safe bet i i would say probably for most things you don't want to learn them from movies i guess you can learn some things from movies but you just have to take it with a grain of salt you can learn that um i I was gonna try and pull something really outlandish out of my butt and i I can't think of anything really outlandish Apparently, apparently, it's not true. I learned this not from movies, but I learned I learned something incorrect from movies. It's apparently it's not true that you would die immediately if you were exposed to the vacuum of space. Wow! Apparently, I that's not always true. assumed that that was true because it's literally a vacuum. So there's nothing in it that would really like kill you immediately. You would if you were like in direct sunlight for too long. You probably would like burn up eventually. And if you were in the absence of sunlight, you probably would freeze at mm-hmm. some point. And obviously, you can't breathe. But outside of that, like you could, you could survive for a period of time without a spacesuit in the vacuum of space. Huh? Neil deGrasse Tyson taught me that. But movies have always taught me that you die instantly. That being in space without a spacesuit is instant death. Instant death. And and sometimes it's you explode. Sometimes you freeze. It depends on the movie, what the rules are. Yeah. But I, wow, I never even thought about it. I learned something new today. So there you go. And we're done. Um, that's, uh, that's all we have for today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, so we haven't even gotten into the good stuff, Ryan. So um, we mentioned that you are a politician. I am. Um, and you uh, you have been a professional wrestler. Yep. Uh, so I, let's, like, I'm giving like the 30,000-foot view of, of who you are, and I'm skipping a lot. Uh, but like, you know, better who you are than, than I do. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like who you are? Like, I mean, just whatever you want to share, like 
you know what makes what makes Ryan Quazes see I did mess it up I didn't even mean to it's alright you joined the majority now what makes Ryan Kwasniewski Ryan Kwasniewski and uh, yeah just just uh, why are you you uh, yeah like Josh said my name is Ryan Kwasniewski um, I'm born and raised in the village of Lamont which is a southwest suburb of uh, of Chicago I uh, lived there my entire life um, growing up there, which actually is pretty interesting, will tie back to uh, the uh, politician role that jo- uh, that Josh has actually uh, mentioned earlier, is my dad, uh, growing up, my dad was uh, the village trustee and also uh, the uh, village president, uh, more well known as uh, around town, as mayor. Uh, but actually the official title, which is I learned during the election process for myself, is village president. Uh, oh, which really? is actually pretty interesting. So I, I haven't been cool. able to dig into the difference uh, between you know when people are called mayor and president, but I always thought that that was pretty interesting. Uh, and I found that when someone was actually uh, running for mayor uh, or president, uh, one of the candidates wrote, went with president and the other went with mayor. So I thought that was pretty interesting on a, on a strategy standpoint. And I'm not sure if there was any benefit or negative to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, from there, uh, I, you know, growing up, I, you know, it, it was always a dream of mine to, uh, to get involved with the village, uh, especially, you know, being the mayor's son is what they kind of would, uh, would call me and my brothers, um, when we were in school. My sister, uh, wasn't in school when my dad was mayor. She was very young at that point because my dad finished up, uh, being mayor in 2001. Uh, so he was mayor from 93 to 2001. So most of my childhood, he was, wow. uh, he was the mayor uh, of Lamont. And I, you know, I just always thought he was like a huge celebrity and just like, it just, it was like almost like living with the president. It was, it, it was, it was pretty fun that I would have what I built up in my mind. Uh, and it is super cool though. Yeah, it is. It is. It is definitely cool. And, and, uh, what's really interesting is it kind of dates back is, um, even, um, one of my relatives was the, uh, I believe chief or sheriff of the village too, as well. So, oh, so you, be, I mean, you guys have a lot of history in that town then, your, your family. Yes. Um, really a lot, cool. there's a lot that dates back from, um, all the way back to my, uh, great grandparents too, as well. That's really cool. So it, it, it is a, it is a great town. Uh, it is a very small town feel, uh, but it's not, uh, a small town in general. There are a lot of things that you can do there, but you, you know, it's kind of got a town feel where, you know, everyone kind of knows everybody. Um, uh, but it's not like a rural area. Like it's not like, you know, it's not like only a population of like 200 or 300 or 500. It's actually a population of uh, 16,000 plus. Oh, wow. So, um, so growing up there, you know, that was something I always wanted to do. And as soon as I graduated college, I submitted my resume and I reached out to the mayor and I said, you know, I really would love to be appointed to the Planning and Zoning Commission, which is a commission that is a recommending board uh, to the village board and they oversee um, different types of planning projects and also zoning, uh, making sure that all the projects that are coming in are being zoned properly and actually going into the right areas uh, and being on that commission. It was actually a lot of fun. I learned a lot and it was kind of almost like going back to school. Um, I didn't go to school for architecture, didn't go to school for uh, engineering, which are typically the more common um, areas of expertise on uh, on boards like that because it has a lot to do with those, especially engineering. Sure. Um, I actually got my degree in marketing and a minor minor in political science, but 
when I when I got out of college, I just was really really um, um, excited to kind of submit my name. I really wanted to get involved right away, and um, I was fortunate enough to be picked and appointed. Uh, and I served from when I was 22 to about 27, so just about five years. And then from there, I decided to throw my hat in the ring uh, for the an actual election, which was a process uh, that was really fun. I mean, it was it was a lot of strategic uh, moves. Uh, that we had to put in place on like when things would be released and like you know what quotes we would use and um, when um, flyers would go out if I would use flyers if I would go all digital which is kind of funny coming from a digital role here at Dealer Inspire a holistic mix between digital and traditional Ryan. yes exactly so I actually got to see it kind of come full circle when trying to figure out where I would be putting some of my campaign money that I was able to raise um, and to be able to put my message out there. That's so cool. All of that is intensely interesting to me. Um, I, uh, I, I got to meet a senator uh, yep. through you, which mm-hmm. was really cool. We're Facebook friends now. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I actually I spoke to his, uh, I guess, assistant, the guy that was with him that day, um, about getting involved in like volunteering in, in some local politics and awesome. local campaigns and stuff like that. I may actually be helping out with uh, Senator Connolly's um, campaign as well. So oh, that, was, that was really, really cool. That's really awesome. Um, it is a fun experience. I mean, it is. It's so interesting to me. It's something, I mean, it's start, really you start planning um, the process. So I can kind of go into a yeah, little yeah. bit of how it kind of worked out. Is So I made my decision and I decided to I throw my hat in the ring. I, I And the first thing I did is I kind of put out a press release. And then from there, I had to gather. Um, I had to gather um, uh, in a press release in in, in Lamont. Is just giving it more to just the local patch. So sure. it's still it, it, you know, the local patch um, for Lamont does have a big following. So I put that out there and, uh, and announced my intentions to run. Uh, and then you have to start putting together. Uh, um, petitions and going around and getting things signed and there's a there's a there's a, a percentage of people uh, that you have to do from the the most recent election and then you have to get that many signatures so that was fun um, so you have to you have to start a petition in order to get your name even on the ballot correct and then you have to submit it to the state uh, okay. and then that would make you then qualified to be on there you can run as a um, a write-in candidate, but a write-in candidate automatically kind of makes it a very you get you get unfavorable odds at that point. It's that not impossible. Hardly but, anybody writes writes in. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not impossible, but it makes it very hard to get elected that way. Got it. Just because you're not an easy click away. You gotta have a lot of branding. Yes. If you're a so the biggest thing that I loved about the process was I got to walk around and I got to touch probably pretty close to about. I would say 80% of the homes in the village. I was going to ask. And, and we so, just, we beat the pavement. We yeah. just, we, we walked, we, we knocked on doors um, and we really put my message out there. And I, you know, I had a group of people that are definitely, um, I have a huge, you know, I got to throw a huge shout out to them because without them, they wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to get elected. Um, and uh, it, it was, it was, a, it was a pretty fun and uh, interesting and uh, learning experience for sure. Cool. So it was there was a lot that went into it, and uh, fortunate enough, I got elected, and I was the top vote getter, uh, which <laughs> shocked me to begin with. I really didn't think I was going to be the top vote getter, um, but it turned out that way, and I really, 
Um, I'm really, really honored to be serving the the village at the trustee role for sure. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's going to, if my role with the village, if I'm going to continue to pursue it. Um, definitely, we'll see what comes up. But you know, a lot of things um, have uh, been really. Uh, cool to kind of experience and learn during this uh, during that entire process, but also being on the board for the last year and a half. Yeah, that man, I uh, that's that's super cool, uh, and I appreciate like sort of the breakdown of like mm-hmm. how it works. It really like I, one of the things I was going to ask is that like, do you really knock doors? Um, yeah. or is that like is that a thing like people say like because you want to seem grassroots? But like, I it seems like it would work. Um, it, like obviously just meeting people like in a small you know. in a small town it, it definitely it definitely works because they it, they want to put a face to their name so i did sure. send out i did send out mailers so i did go some of the traditional route did you um, have signs i did have signs too as well awesome i did have signs um and i did put that i i did i did put the flyers out so my face was was on the flyer but then i following that um i then would walk um uh through the streets of Lamont and knock on doors and uh, just introduce myself. And some people would, you know, sit and, and chat with me for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And some people would just be like, you know, it's honestly, it's pretty great to meet you. I, you know, we don't really get this often. So it was really fun to do cool. uh, meeting new people. I love talking to people, um, which I feel was another reason why I wanted to kind of go into this route. And I also love helping people. Yeah. Um, and that was another reason too, as well. And, you know, and, 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 um, going through and meeting all these people, it was it was pretty interesting, and and I actually talked to quite a few of the people that I've met knocking on doors still. That's awesome, and I like I'm sure it's satisfying to be able to affect actual change. You know, like help like helping people on an individual basis is one thing, and that's great, and I think people should do that. But being able to actually affect change uh, for like groups of people at a time mm-hmm. has to be satisfying. Yeah, I mean the, the 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 current mayor right now has done an outstanding top job uh, with staff too as well, and you know the board uh, the, of trustees. There's um, I'm going to get this wrong, but I believe yes, there is six of us, and then the mayor makes seven. Okay. Yes, that is right. <laughs> I had to visualize a meeting in my head, yeah. uh, so that is right. And then we have the village clerk who takes the notes, um, but the village uh, uh, mayor right now. Um, his his name's John Nagoski, and uh, staff that the the staff that he works with have done a tremendous job since being elected, and we've really seen a big boom in um, in economic development, which is awesome. You know, we have uh, we have a lot of new businesses coming into town, and that's really great to see. Uh, the bowling alley that I grew up uh, with closed down for I want to say close to about ten years, and I'm probably going to be wrong with the amount of time that it was closed, but it felt like a very long time, and it just sat deserted, and it was an eyesore. And now it is opened up and is actually uh, underneath the umbrella of Q Bar. They have several bars around cool. uh, yeah. around uh, the state of Illinois, and it's called Quarry Bar and Grill. Uh, and it is um, it is a really cool. It was a really cool experience walking back into that place cool. um, for for after a very long time of of having it being closed. So he's doing an amazing job, um, and you know it's it's pretty interesting to see how things kind of come together um, at an economic development standpoint with, you know, kind of getting businesses open and, and helping keep them open too as well. Yeah. I, um, I love the idea of, you, know, you said you're like, your family has like a ton of history in the lot and I love, 
I love the idea of like just really like sinking your teeth into a place, you know, like really like putting down roots and like staying and like seeing those kind of changes, like Mm -hmm. something that had closed down for years and it's finally open again. And like how, like, it's just, it, there is something very exciting about like new things are, are happening. And like, like I was saying before that seemed that just feels very Midwest. Yeah, it definitely does. And you know, I love, I I love the idea too, as well. It's just like, you know, you put roots in the ground because that's when you can really start to, you know, build, you know, memories and family and everything that comes along lines with building, putting roots in the ground. And And I'm not even sure if my roots will, will be in Lamont. Um, you know, I'm not sure what will come in the future, uh, whether it's near and, you know, obviously in the further distance of, of time. Uh, but it is it is a great town uh, and I've really enjoyed living there um, and I've enjoyed uh, my involvement there, too, as well. And, and if, if if I do only end up doing this one term, um, it has been an absolute tremendous experience and I am extremely fortunate to be able to have done it. It's really cool. And you're a local celebrity now, so you know you can you can go wherever you want. And I, Lamont will always welcome you back. <laughs> it, 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 not far from a local <laughs> local celebrity at all. I I don't really get recognized. I mean, it's nothing. It's nothing like that at all. Ryan, I get you rec- had flyers. I I did have flyers. I got recognized <laughs> more as my wrestling persona than I did my uh, political uh, role that I am currently doing now. Buddy, perfect segue because that's the next question I had. <laughs> I have never met anyone else that has uh, – so I wrestled in high school. Okay. So I've met plenty of those types of wrestlers. Yes. Uh, I've never met a professional wrestler before. Um, and that – I you we had a – we had a random conversation one time. I don't remember why we were even talking, but it came up. And you just sort of mentioned it in passing, and then the conversation was over, and I didn't get to hear very much about it <laughs> after that. Uh, and then we talked a little bit about it at dinner, but I like it's so cool. So the question I have tons of questions okay. about it, but the first question, like I I have to know like how you got into it, yeah. and like how does I mean how does one get into how does one professional wrestling end up in professional wrestling? Like you weren't like seeking this out, nope. from what I understand. So like, how does one just sort of stumble into yeah professional wrestling? So I got to take you back a little bit before I started professional wrestling. So okay. um, I am a huge fan of the TV show Dallas from the seventies. So uh-huh. J.R. Ewing, who shot J.R. Bobby Ewing, you know the Ewing's Ewing Oil, everything that you know that show really brought to the table. It was a very popular, um, what I would call soap opera. I would say that would be probably where it would fall underneath the category. So growing up, um, you know, I didn't really watch it. And then as soon as I got home from one of my uh, um, breaks in college, my dad put this v- uh, uh, VCR tape um, on, and that was Dallas. It was the first two pilot episodes. Okay. And I just really grow. Uh, I really just grew attached to the show. Like I just, I love the drama that was in it and the different types of things that were going on. And there was just always something, you know, there were people scheming, there were people, you know, making sure that things were being done the right way. It was just, it was a great balance between like good and bad. Um, and 
or heel and and babyface, which would be a wrestling term. Right. Uh, heel would be the bad guy, and then uh, babyface would be a good guy. So what was really great about that show is just just like it had business, and I was just getting really excited about being going into business because I was in school, I was going through business school, and I just I really you know obviously it was much more dramatic on the show, and business is <laughs> nothing like that. Um, but it was just really fun to watch. So I started to buy the DVDs, and I ended up buying all of them. Uh, and then while in college, they announced that they were bringing back the show after you know a, a tremendous or a, a very long break same yeah. cast and everything same cast and wow. they, were, they were introducing newer cast members which were the sons of these actors so larry hagman the late great harry uh larry hagman uh played jr ewing he also okay. was in i dream a genie oh yeah um so he's probably i would say he's probably one of the greatest television actors of all times he's got two very well-known roles uh, and he played J.R. Ewing, which is usually who everyone knows from the show Dallas. So it, they brought all these people back, and unfortunately, J.R. passed during the um, during uh, the I believe the second season, uh, and uh, it, it was a, a huge hit to the show because he was the he was the icon he was the cover boy of the show, yeah. and um, from there TNT decided to cancel the show. And I was sitting, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting on a leather couch in my parents' living room, and I believe it probably was a Thursday night or Friday night when they announced it and they put a press release out. And I was so upset because they only gave it a paragraph. It was just a paragraph. And I just, I just immediately just started work at, or I let me back up I just started working at launch digital marketing which is now dealer inspire um, I just started working at launch digital marketing and I started to understand the power of the internet and social media sure. so I immediately took the action and created the hashtag um, save Dallas and it, I, I just I made a Facebook page and everything and from there um, I just I then then shot a video and a huge shout out to Alan Hayne he actually inspired me to do a video. Uh, so I, I shot a video and I just I just I laid it all out there. I was just I was just so transparent and genuine in my message, and that I was just like it was raw emotion. I was upset, and I just couldn't believe that TNT could let this show go without finishing it out. Um, the the storylines that they had currently in place, and um, and to only give them a paragraph after being on the t- on TV for you know thirty five plus years. And um, I, t- I got really upset, and you know I put five dollars behind um, a-, a likes campaign on Facebook, uh-huh. and within I would say within probably a couple days I had close to five thousand likes on the page you on the page that I created, and the video that I shot, the first video I ever did, um, went viral, and it was it was That's crazy. Incredible. It was like catching lightning in a bottle. I couldn't believe it. I literally had no idea what to do, and I anything I would post. Like I would get a ton of comments, a ton of likes. Like it was just something that like I just couldn't believe in. It was just I found a niche that people loved and I loved, and I had a I had an audience that I can kind of put my frustrations out, but also some of like the, my favorite memories too as well of the show. And it was just it was oh, it, I couldn't I couldn't even describe how that time period was. Um, but it was really fun to um, you know get people really behind uh, a goal. We obviously failed. Dallas did not come back, and it's not going to come back. Um, I had to accept that fact, but it had its run, and um, you know, if, if you want to say that the, at least the main storyline of J.R. Ewing's um, character—I mean, he—they had a funeral episode and everything, so they tied that story off. But there was a lot of different things that they left open. Um, 
but it was it was a really interesting experience just because I could get people to really get behind, you know, doing different things. Like we had one of the coolest things that I I I, I will put out there for people to do was to send barbecue a crates of barbecue sauce uh, to um, presidents of TV networks. So we sent at least ten crates of barbecue sauce to at least I believe it was Fox, CBS, and uh, NBC. And the, what? And I would and I would find I would research on the internet and I had a, actually I had an executive producer um, from the show uh, reach out to me and start providing me information. I won't reveal the person because I don't this want them to so get in trouble. Cool. But they would actually give me email addresses. Uh, and telephone numbers to the presidents or um, high up officials at these networks, and I would just post it out. I was looking for a cease and desist letter. <laughs> I would that would have been that would have been video gold yeah, right there. That yeah. content would have been perfect. That you know, look at this. Like they're trying to stop us. I never got a cease and desist letter, but I would put that out there. And I'm sure I can't guarantee or prove that people called, but I they liked it. They commented on it, uh, and people were very passionate. And there was a, it's it's not only in the United States the passion came from, but it was in Europe too as well. I have a lot of people when wow. looking at the demographics following that page. From that, from from uh, different countries, which is which is just remarkable. Um, <laughs> what also is funny is too is you know I, I you know put a lot of pictures out of myself and I have um, I have uh, I, I started to create a T-shirt too as well. So I put out a T-shirt of me wearing it, uh, and um, my brother will think that he still is uh, <laughs> owed money on on what we were able to sell the T-shirts for. But I, you know, there's no proof and documentation on that. Sorry, Listen, Rob. He didn't start the page. No, he didn't. Right. He came he, out. He did come up. Uh, he did help come up with the the logo itself. But we created a T-shirt um, through T-shirt company that would basically. Um, would just kind of skim off the top uh, of the pricing. Cool. You know, it would we, um, it would it would be you know the cost of the shirt, my my cut, which very was very small, um, and then um, then the t-shirt company's cut too as well, which they also took the hard cost too. Sure. Um, so we created a t-shirt that said "Save Dallas" and it was printed on top of the Dallas skyline, and I put that out there. And what was really cool is I I put a picture out uh, of myself wearing it and. Um, uh, not only did people from the show, like characters, buy the shirt and also post pictures too as well, is because of that picture that I posted out um, of myself in the T-shirt. Uh, uh, Highlight Hollywood, which is a, um, which is a, uh, I would say some type of reporting uh, newspaper, digital newspaper um, uh, in Hollywood, reached out to me and started to do articles on myself. Oh, very cool. Um, and not my, uh, not on myself, but reached out to me and kind of like going to try to find right. out like more about my, um, my, my Facebook page and, and, and the reason why I was doing it and all of a sudden, and it, it was really, it was a really interesting experience for sure. I mean, it was just, it showed passion. And I think yeah. that was what really captivated me the most because it just there was other people out there that were even more passionate about this show than I was. So bringing this full circle, um, and I'm sure you probably have questions on the on the Dallas thing. We yeah, can no, go back okay, to no, it. keep going. Yeah, I got, um, I got stuff written down. <laughs> bringing it full circle, I then go to a a, a, um, a wrestling a wrestling a local wrestling show in Joliet, um, and uh, from there. Uh, I, I was sitting in the crowd, and I'm, I'm, I have a very entrepreneurial mind. Uh-huh. Um, 
And I was sitting in the crowd, and I was just like, man, I've grown up. I'm just a background here uh, to the audience. I've grown up loving wrestling. I just was absolutely blown away and mesmerized uh, by the theatrics of it and the way that they told stories. I'm a big person that I love a nice storyline, like that just, you know, everything that comes with it, the peaks, the valleys, the whole storytelling process. And to then mix in, um, uh, I would say, it's called sports entertainment. So to mix in the sporting part of it really kind of drew me the most. Uh, to the uh, to professional wrestling, and I mainly watched WWE, but also WCW when that was around too as well. And so I would go to I would go to these I went to this local one that was happening in Joliet because some of the wrestlers that I grew up with were attending. So I I thought that was the coolest That's thing. Cool. Like I was like geeking out, um, and I was just was like you know sitting in the crowd like man I could I feel like I can do this. The only thing I couldn't wrap my head around was the insurance. That what I would have to put up to make sure, like I'm assuming there's some type of insurance for like injuries and and the ring I and, never and would audience. Have of that. that was the first thing that I thought that just like instantly stopped me. So then I said, why reinvent the wheel? Uh, so I reached out to um, which was called uh, Blitz Wrestling, okay. um, and I reached out to that Facebook page and met the owner through there and kind of talked to him a little bit about getting involved. And I wanted to help with storylines at that point. Um, and from there, I, t- um, I actually started to help him a little bit on getting a better uh, following on Facebook. Uh, and, f- and then um, after a few months, uh, I really wanted to get involved in the show. I just felt like, you know, I've, I, I, I'm, I'm so close to my like, dream. I always wanted to be a wrestler. I yeah. always wanted to be involved. So I, I asked him, I said, I said, if I develop a character for you, can we can we can I can I just go out once and just do it? And he's like, "All right, you know, put something together and we'll see." So what I did is I went back and said, "Okay, where where can I develop this character?" And the first thing that came to mind is the easiest thing to go over with uh, a wrestling audience is a heel. And the people who know me and I'm like I'm not a bad guy, you know, I'm not a heel. Like I'm I, People I'm, love to hate a good. Villain. I'm a good human. Yeah. See what ah, I did there. Ah. See what I did. That's there? why you're on the podcast. Exactly. Man. So I wanted. I thought it'd be fun to play the opposite. Yeah. To be the bad guy. To 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 you know really be somebody that people hate in the audience, and I can hate them back. And you know, so I thought, why don't I leverage the following that I have already built for Dallas and build a character around that? So my initials are Ryan James. My initials are RJ. So I decided to make the character instead of J.R. Ewing, R.J. Ewing. And that's where that character uh, came from. So I good. started actually dressing up exactly like J.R. Cow, t- big 10-gallon cowboy hat, boots that I actually ordered from China, and they're <laughs> terrible, but they, they look good. They look okay. good. That's, and then I would wear suits and ties. And um, I, I brought the idea to him, and he loved it, and actually got built up to being the top heel of the company. Now... A lot of people have a misconception. I didn't actually wrestle. I was the manager. Okay. But I did get involved in matches. And the characters uh, that we built was a basically a snobby, bratty kid that had daddy's money and could throw it around at anything he wanted. So I really just would would watch a lot of different videos on like JR and like uh-huh. other rich, you know, people from television that just would act like like an ass. And I then started to use some of their quotes and some of their mannerisms too as well. 
uh, and it was a, it was a really fun experience. Like I I can't I, I'm really glad that I did it, um, and I can say that I did it. Um, and uh, it evolved. My character evolved from not wearing that to becoming more of like a Holly ho- like a Hollywood douchebag. I would call it. Okay. Uh, and I I got built up, and I actually I had. Um, I we um, who I the people I managed I we managed um, not only the um, second tier belt but all the way up to the heavyweight belt for almost 365 days, and wow! I would get involved in matches. We would cheat. You know, there was all these different things that we kind of play. You know, against the rules, and a lot of people just would get so upset because my guy, the guy that I'd be managing, was on the ropes, and everyone was getting excited because you know people thought he was going to lose finally, and I would somehow you know get in there and cheat my way out, whether it was <laughs> distracting the ref or hitting them with a belt, uh, or even one time we had uh, a lawyer get involved for uh, a match, and it was actually my buddy, and I said, "Do you want to get involved for something? I just need you to do a couple quick things." And um, what was funny is he played a lawyer of the wrestler that we previously beat, and we cheated, of course. Uh, and so he brought the lawyer in, and um, they made a big or you know big ordeal in the beginning of the show, and said, you know, you, you have to fight, you have to give him a rematch, or you're, you know you're going to be sued. Okay, fine, we'll give you a rematch. Well, it turns out in the match, I got up on the ropes, distracted the referee, and. Um, then from there, uh, the a- attorney got up on the ropes to talk to his guy, and he had the belt in his hand because he wanted to make sure he kept it all legit, uh-huh. and he actually turned and hit the wrestler we were facing in the head because I bought off the lawyer, and that was the whole storyline, <laughs> and it was great. The crowd went crazy. Oh, the twists and uh, turns. The twists and turns, and it just was, just, it's like simple, small, soap opera dramatics, and that's what I really, like, oh, came I to love, love it. about it, um, because, like, they were really up to do anything. Yeah. Um, it, it it was it was really it was really a, a fun uh, like I said a fun experience that I I, I I loved that I did and had the opportunity to do it um, and I actually sad to say I am retired um, I would only um, I, I I got paid a very small amount uh, and uh, in the main last show it felt like a time a good time to leave um, but I also got hit in the face with a flaming nunchuck. And, uh, well, oh no! I was gonna ask about <laughs> any injuries. It, it's not just enough that it's a nunchuck. It's a it's a flaming nunchuck. A flaming nunchuck, which was one of the other people I'm other team I managed, and we actually um, I built a state what's called a stable of people, uh, and our stable was called the One Percent. That's fantastic. And because I was I was a billionaire, yeah, and I felt like that it was right around. Obviously, all whether whether you hate them or you love them all around when when trump was running right. so it just it felt like that was a perfect stable name to do yeah and um it it blended into it and it was it was really the the way that i got involved not to not to jump around but the way that i got involved um to being in the show so i started off as just like a character that would just be outside the ring mm-hmm. and they they positioned me as like an investor so i would be sitting outside the ring um and talking to different fans and um uh, you know, I was sitting there just, you know, I was being nice in the beginning. Like it was just kind of like the, the storytelling aspect. Like I was like super involved and I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to invest in this company. I was going to bring legitimacy to it and my character. And that's what I was going to do. And slowly you saw, saw me start to turn and I would be sitting out in the, in the audience and I'd have my boots up on the table. And, you know, I'd never forget this. Uh, one, one gentleman came up to me who from the audience and was like, 
what do you think you're doing putting your boots on the table? Would you do that at your mother's house? And I said, well, you know what? I would because I bought her that damn house. <laughs> so it then from there, it started to slowly bleed into becoming a heel. Nice. And then um, at our main show, which was um, the, the name of the show, it's our WrestleMania. Um, you know, obviously we couldn't call it WrestleMania. Sure. Um, I can't remember what it was actually called. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pop into me at any second now. Um, but... Uh, there was a match that was with uh, the Brooklyn Bra- the Brooklyn Brawler, and he's actually a wrestler from WWE, uh, old time too. So he won a Royal Rumble or a Battle Royale uh, with a bunch of different people involved, and he won a guaranteed title shot whenever he wanted, whenever he wanted. So then at the the next segment, they show it on the on the Titantron, which is like the big video board. I mean, it wasn't that big because it was a local rest a local uh, <laughs> local establishment uh. of, of wrestling, but. Um, they showed me talking to him and giving him a wad of money. And from there, uh, they didn't really show much from it. So then later on the show, the biggest heel in the company, uh, his name is Aiden O'Shea, Jay Bradley, great guy. He's actually also uh, from Lamont too as well. Um, Crazy. He's wrestled on uh, several different uh, several different. Uh, uh, companies, uh, so I had I had the opportunity to work with him, and he's the bad guy and the main Hulk Hogan, as as you would say, mm-hmm. baby face for the company um, was Grin, and he was uh, he dressed up like a clown, um, and nice. he looked like actually like a scary clown. So it was hard to believe that he was actually a good guy, but he was. Everyone loved him. They loved him, and it was just it was crazy. He was he was a celebrity. I was never a celebrity in Lamont. He was a celebrity, and he was a celebrity in like the, the, the local areas that they would go to, and. It it was it it was coming down to the end of the match, and it was my turn. To, it was that we just we decided that I was going to run out there with the guaranteed contract that I bought, and I was going to cash it in. Um, and uh, so he so kind of to play the whole thing off, the whole Kogan of the show because it was WrestleMania. Right. Grin won the championship <laughs> at the end of the night. It was confetti flying down. Everyone was happy. So then after that. My guy, Aiden O'Shea, comes running down the the ring, running down to the ring, and I'm following him. And I'll never forget this, too. As I was running, I wore, used to wear a big belt buckle that had a dollar sign on it. I stopped wearing it because of the reason I'm about to tell you. But it came undone because I wasn't wearing a belt that was actually made to hold belt buckles, which I found out they actually make. Um, so my belt actually came undone and started to slide off mid me running. So my pants started <laughs> to go down. So I had to go. And, and one of the people in the back that you, has been doing this for years is you just got to roll with it. If your pants fall down, just roll with it. Because other than that, it just you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna break character. So it, my pants didn't fall down, but I was able to kind of get them back on. And I got up to the ring, and we were all dramatic of pulling out and revealing the contract. And then he went and he beat up the guy, and we went one, two, three, and we shook hands, and then everyone knew that we were now we were now together, and I had the money, he had the brawn, and we were going to be an unstoppable force, and we held that title for close to about a year, and it was so it, cool. it was it was really it was really fun. I mean, there's videos and everything on it too as well. I even have a DVD of the the first time that I entered the ring, which was really cool. All right, I got to see those at some point too. You got it. <laughs> uh, favorite wrestler as a kid. Favorite wrestler of all time? Yeah. Oh, that's a hard one. That is a hard one. I'd have to go. It's a tie between the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. I Good think, choice. I think he he was always my favorite growing up. Uh, and then if I if, we'll just go with this, I'll do WWE. There, that's my guy from WWE. Okay. And my guy for WCW, who was their biggest rival, 
it have to be it have to be Scott Hall, the bad guy, Razor Ramon. As uh, people yeah, know him, him yeah, in WWE, yeah. he went over uh, to WCW and and played uh, a huge part in um, what I would consider the biggest competition that WWE has ever seen. Is when um, he came in, and so did Kevin Nash, who was Diesel in WWE. Right. They came in and they played it off like they were invading, and that WWE was invading WCW, but really they had contracts with WCW. Okay. And from there, um, they were alluding that there was a third member, and this third member was Hulk Hogan. And I will never forget watching the pay-per-views with my cousins in the basement. Uh, we used to do that all the time. Yep. Uh, and it was on an illegal cable box, which is actually <laughs> was pretty funny. The black box, if people out there listening are knowing uh, that from the 90s and early I, 2000s. Yeah, I remember those, yeah. Um, and he came walking down, and everyone thought he, they were going to save Macho Man Randy Savage. You know, ooh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I used to love him. So... He came down, and then he drops the leg on Macho Man, and sports entertainment was never the same. The ultimate good guy, Hulk Hogan, yep. eat your vitamins, say your prayers, all, whole nine yards, everything. The idols for kids drops the leg on on uh, another hero, Macho Man, yep. and announced himself as a heel. That's a heel turn. Probably one of the greatest heel turns of all times. I I. Never even watched wrestling growing up that okay. much. I, like I caught it here and there, and I always thought it was fun when I caught it. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I like I didn't watch wrestling. I remember that yep. when Hulk Hogan went from a good guy to a bad guy. Yep, and that it, it which is crazy. Like yeah. that just shows like how how big of a deal that was. Because like there was, I think there was a time when wrestling was a little more mainstream mm-hmm. than it is now. Yeah, definitely back then. Um, and so, yeah, back then it definitely was. But, like, I, I would say even by the time, like, by the time Hulk Hogan turned bad, it was, like, it was a lot less than, like, maybe, like, early 90s. It was, what, you know? What was, what was, what's actually interesting is, and I, I thought about this, is why was it so popular then versus what it is now? And it's because WWE has monopolized the... Uh, wrestling industry and New Japan Wrestling, which is a, an outfit obviously out of Japan, um, is starting to pick up. You know, starting to pick up some traction in independent wrestling itself, which is what I was involved in. Right. Lo- my, much smaller than some of the more well-known ones are starting to pick up steam too, as well. Like there are people there that they fight in these independent outfits, and they are starting to get on TV. They're starting to get network deals, and they're starting to get make you know give WWE a run for money. So back in the nineties. Um, and 2000s, WCW was on TNT mm-hmm. two nights a week. And then you had WWF at that point on two nights a week on network television shows. Right. So that's how I think that it really had mainstream because out now it's just on two nights a week on one channel USA. Right. Which not everyone has. Not everyone had TNT uh, and USA, and you know they jumped around from TNN, you know, which is now known as Spike, which I don't even know. I can't can never find Spike on my TV, but you know that's just probably user error. So I, well, I, I've if it's user error, it's both of us because I <laughs> I usually can't find. They probably it made it like a number, you know, like one hundred and sixty five or something like that. Yeah. Um. But you know what's interesting about like what you're saying is. So, like, you had, like, early 90s, right? Like, you had – the internet wasn't really a thing back then. Um, and you had – so, like, TV networks ruled the world, right? Yeah. As far as entertainment goes. And then um, – so then WWE starts, like, basically monopolizing the space. Yep. And so they have everything. They're and that's buying like, up their competition. Yeah. And that's, like, 
that's at like the tail end of TV networks still ruling the world. Yeah. And then now, so like you had like like you had competition back in the early nineties. Yep. On like mainstream TV channels, yep. WWE sort of like just grows into this super giant, and yep. they're just absorbing everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then it, it sort of dies down a little bit because you don't have that like competition between like, who like who's trying to outdo who, you know. Yep. Um, and now, because anyone can put content out ever, you know, like like I we. We could do a dumb video on our iPhones and, and put it that's out there. better than like most of the cameras we have in yeah. the early 90s and put it out there. But like it's it seems like there's so much more access to be able to create content however you want to create it that like that's just creating more competition now. It is. Which is great. And yeah. I like I've heard I have heard more about wrestling in the last like two or three years than I than we did for like a decade or more. Like it just seems like it just sort of fell off for mm-hmm. a while. Um, and I like I'm hearing more and more about it now. Like there's a few, again YouTube. There's a few content creators that I, I follow on YouTube um, that are really really into wrestling. But like it's wrestling seems like it's starting to become cool again. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, it, like you said, it just it makes it, it it's giving the smaller outfits easier way to get their brand out there. And a lot of people um, like certain wrestlers and certain wrestlers only fight in certain areas it's kind of almost back in the day when wrestling would just kind of fight and there would be different territories is what they would call and now they're kind of doing that's very similar now but it's easier to get out that message like you said using youtube or using you know different streaming um uh you know apps or anything along those lines and now we're going to see the entire thing that happened in the 90s when it was all about network television and ratings, we're going to start to see that because WWE's got an app where you can download or you can download and pay. I don't even know. It's like it's like Netflix price wise, like nine ninety nine a month or whatever you know whatever it is, and you can watch the pay per views there. And they also have additional content. Well, a lot of their competition is doing that too. So we're going to see a re. Uh, uh, I would say we're going to see a like a storyline play over again with the competition between WWE and its competitor, which would be probably the biggest one right now, I'd say either Ring of Honor or New Japan Wrestling, who both have apps out there that you can download content to as well. And we're going to see, you know, who wins that battle. And so it's all, it's going to be completely based off of the superstars that they're getting and, um, you know, the types of content that they're putting out storyline-wise. But the hope is really that nobody wins that battle. No. Right? Because then it just... Competition it just makes everything both better to be more absurd, right? Exactly. And I like there to me. There's something very interesting psychologically about our craving for, like we like, uh, like we like drama, like we like soap operas, like it's just humans, right? Like, yep. We like that stuff. We like storytelling. But there's something interesting to me psychologically about the the yearning we have for like absurdist entertainment, mm-hmm. which is like, I think wrestling is the one of the best examples of that. And yep. it's, it's just so fun. And it is absurd and it's crazy and it's over the top. Mm -hmm. And like we're seeing like these like these care like, you know, we know like just in reality, nobody's like pure evil. You know, like nobody just exudes evil when they walk around. And like to see those characters walking around like just just being just the meanest. And then you have people like Hulk Hogan who like nobody's that altruistic either. You know, nobody's all like like you said, like eat your vitamins, say your prayers, like stuff like that. And it's it's very interesting to me psychologically that humanity there's something about us that just wants to see those stereotypes play out. Yep. They're just basically watching superheroes on television. Right. 
It's well, yeah, well, bringing that's, superheroes that's to, to, to life. Like right now, the, the Hulk Hogan that's happening right now, and it's more on his tail end of his career, but John is Cena. Wait, wait, wait. Is he still wrestling? Hulk Hogan? Yeah. No, no, no. He oh, hasn't wrestled oh, okay, in a long time. Okay. He, he gets involved in matches, um, you know, but, you know, he's kind of been on the the outs uh, as of lately. Um, but, like, right now, the same type of person would be John Cena. Yep. Yeah. I Yeah. And he's... Always been a good guy. He's never always, turned. Always a good guy. And what what's interesting to me about now, like we have people like John Cena and The Rock, uh, and I'm sure there's others that I'm missing, but like who have leveraged their, uh, their like you know campy like crazy wrestling career into like real acting opportunities. Yeah, like, The Rock is a, The Rock is in everything. Yeah, he he is he is really. That's a, that is a American success story right yeah. there. That is a true success story to watch him go from the University of uh, Miami playing football and go into what his father was doing in wrestling and then go into starring in all these movies, which he's hilarious. And hilarious. And great movies, yes, by the way. Like, great movies. He's And he's so you're, – you're right. He's so good. And yes. he, like the great thing I think about him is that he's like – he's this huge fucking guy – but he is very, very funny. Yes, and so he like he can do both, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So seeing him in movies like uh, like Jumanji, um, right? He was in Jumanji. He was in Jumanji, yeah. And the, uh, the prequel or whatever, or sequel the, or whatever yeah, you want to, yeah. And then um, uh, like Rampage, uh, like still very over the top movies. Like if we're being honest, but great movies. Oh, absolutely. Um, he was in Baywatch and like all this other yep. stuff, like. He could do yeah. comedy. He could do serious. I mean, it's yeah. it, it. He is, he is really turned. He is really turned um, and leveraged his wrestling career into obviously showing because that wrestling a lot of obviously the biggest thing that wrestling gets is it's fake, right? Right. It's fake. It's fake. It's but, fake. You but know, when people say that, just real quick, get out. Like you're in the way. Yep. We all know that. You don't have to point that no, out. You're no, not like well intellectual known. for saying it's, it's fake. scripted. It's scripted and rehearsed. I'm, I'm telling you, I have been on both sides. Obviously, mine was on a, a, not on a major, mainstream show. It was yeah. on a, a you know local small outfit independent wrestling. But I watched from the behind the curtain. I watched them synchronize these matches and memorize every spot there so was. Interesting. And I had to sit there and find my spots because they would then tell me because I never I never planned matches because I never knew how to do that. Uh-huh. I was horrible at it. I tried it once, it didn't work. It didn't work. My match was that I that I put together was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. I just I didn't know how to blend everything together. And these guys who just probably work for fifty bucks a night, hundred dollars if that, are putting together these beautiful sympathy. Sympathy. I can't even say it now. Uh, symphony. Symphony. There you yeah. go. Thank you. Symphony of of moves and the way that they're telling the story and they memorize it. And then from there, um, to be able to then go out in the crowd and do that. And sometimes you mess up, mm-hmm. but then you pick right back up. And sometimes you can watch them. Now actually seeing um, from that side of the curtain – I can pick up on TV some of the things like that would be spots where they talk to each other in their ear, or uh, if okay. somebody if you, you you get thrown through a table or done something, um, the ref will come over and actually put his hand in your hand and you're supposed to grab it back, and if you grab it back, that means you're okay. You're okay. But Got then it. if if the ref throws up an X, that means he's there's an actual injury. Got so 
what what and and another thing just to the fake comment i have seen these people they walk around with lifetime injuries from doing this and I it's bet. because they love it yeah and you know some people might think they're crazy but when you're doing something that you love when you when you're doing something that you love completely how could it be crazy yeah i love that and it, i mean look the the books you read like the fiction books you read are fake. The TV shows you watch are fake. Absolutely. The comic books you read are fake. Talking to myself because I read comic books. Like the superhero movies you watch are fake. Why do you like? Why? Why do you need to point out why? that wrestling exactly is fake? because we they put it. sports in front of their and in, in front of entertainment. It's sports entertainment. It's entertainment. It's, but you still have some physical action. It's, it's done. extremely. Physical. And what's actually funny about that comment is I just recently went to a magic show. And in this magic show, there was an illusionist, okay? And this illusionist <laughs> was also, it was so, it was, it, it was literally the craziest, the craziest um, uh, uh, tricks, uh, the tricks that he was doing were, so, were just mind-blowing. Like, it was just awesome. He was an He'd illusionist. probably hate that you're calling them tricks. Yes, He'd I know. probably correct probably, you and say illusions. Yes, illusions. Yeah. Um, illusions. And, it's an illusion, Michael. <laughs> and, like, he was it was uh, he was an outstanding person and and a, and a very interesting person because what he did before that was he was an artist at the i believe the art institute of chicago and what That's he really crazy. where he really fell in love with illusions is art is an illusion yeah it's not real yeah it's 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 four, third and fourth dimensional yep and he started he he went through this whole story which was just a really really remarkable story that he told and he drew a bowling ball and then he made the bowling ball appear off the paper i i shit you not i literally my mouth was almost on the table almost on the table huh so it it it, i you know it it is it is it's i i i don't even know what how to put into words it was it was it was something that, like, 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 what we go back to is, you know, the 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 um, the altering of reality is movies, and that's what he described too as well. Yeah, um, and that's what I was trying to get to. I, I was trying to draw that in, but I was just, I just replayed the trick in my head, and I just kind of went blank there because I was just <laughs> amazed again because I just, I don't good? know where'd that ball come from? <laughs> How did it jump out of the paper? I just don't get it. I don't get it. Um, so, like, he. He talks about like movies and 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 characters and movies and comic books and books and fiction books. They're all fake. Yeah, they're all right. fake. They're all they're all someone else's imagination. As is wrestling, it's the writer's imagination of telling a story. And as is you know uh, being an illusionist and yeah. and and doing tricks, uh, doing illusions <laughs> <laughs> like that. Yeah, I I love that. And I mean, and who. You know who fucking cares at the end of the day? Exactly. Right. You know what? If and, and I am not ashamed. Um, it, there was a time in high school that I was kind of ashamed to say that I like watch wrestling. Like it just wasn't a cool thing. Now I don't care. I love professional wrestling. I don't watch it as much as I want to, but I I love the idea of the storytelling behind it, and I'm not afraid to admit it. And you know what? Call me crazy, but it's something that I love. I you know I like it. You know, and I. <laughs> You have two very unique career paths in front of you. Uh, politics, put two very different career paths in front of you. You got politics and you got wrestling. Yep. And you and have I, experience in both. And I did both of them 
at the same time. So I was I was at the height. <laughs> we'll just we'll just be dramatic. I was at the height of my wrestling career <laughs> um, while running for trustee. And this goes back to my comment earlier about being recognized. Yeah, I, in the Saint and in, in, in the um, Saint Patty's Day Parade for the Village of Lamont. Um, I was actually recognized as somebody started to say R.J. Ewing, and I like looked, and I, <laughs> I like, I didn't know like how it was gonna play out. Like, I didn't know how people were going to react of me being a professional wrestler. And at, at some point, you know what? It's acting. It was acting. Yeah, and that's all. It's theater. And yeah. I, and I've always been a, I've always been very interested. I never participated in theater. I, I kicked myself that I didn't because I, I just love. Like again, I go back like to high school telling stories. Yeah, nothing, nothing. I, I didn't high school plays. See, I'm jealous. Yeah. I did. I, I was. I was too wrapped up in sports. I, I was football. Uh, I did that too. Um, and track, and um, you know, just growing up, I just did sports my entire life. Sure. So, like, I was always like, I wanted to join the band. No one knows this, so I'll tell this. We'll just here's an exclusive, 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 everyone. So while you know, when you're going through, um, I believe it's middle school or maybe grade school, you're just entering for band, right? Right. Um. So. <laughs> what actually happened is I really, really wanted to be part of a band. I love music. Music is, I truly believe music makes the world go round. Man, I, I and, could not agree more. And um, from there, I really wanted to be part of a band. And I tried out on all these instruments, all of them. And, uh, the, and the one that I wanted to play the most was the saxophone. And I just, I built myself up that I really wanted to play the saxophone. Like, I just, I, I got it. Like, I just, I love the shape of it. It just was so cool. And it was on the Simpsons. Lisa, Lisa Simpson was a saxophone player. So growing up, like, that was yep. my favorite, one of my favorite TV shows. So like, I did, that was also, just to be fair, probably the only instrument I actually knew the official name of at that point as fair a kid. Um, but I got up there and I did it and they said I wasn't good enough. And they said that the Ouch. only thing that I was good enough to play was the flute. Ouch. So... Coming from wait wait wait, <laughs> you were trying out on these instruments without experience, right? Yes, and they. So how? I don't know. I don't understand how it. Are I was you not a kid. Good enough. I was a kid. Oh no! I wanted to learn so bad. They I could got be some sitting. high standards. I exact well. I don't. Maybe for, I mean for middle school. <laughs> for, band. for middle school Lamont, there yeah. is some high standards oh, for boy. playing playing the saxophone. But I, I kicked myself that I didn't push. I probably could have. My parents probably could have pushed harder on the school to do it. But as soon as they told me that I had um, that I that I couldn't play saxophone and the flute was the only thing I could play, I just I was so demoralized that I just I just I just stopped doing it. And that's probably extra of me uh, being demoralized, <laughs> but I was very, I was very turned off by it. Like I was just like I that's wanted to fair. do that so bad. Like I was so nervous to do the tryout and everything. Yeah. Or audition is probably a better word for it. Um, but yeah, that uh, that is one of the, my standpoints on like just with music. Just it makes the world go round. I I couldn't agree more. Music. I I think people that listen to to the podcast at all regularly probably know that I'm, I'm super passionate about music. Um, I, for a long time, you I play an instrument. I, I do. I play guitar. Well, I play a few guitar is mainly what I play, yeah. but, um, and you're going to be playing at the farmer's market on September 18th, 18th. here to, at dealer inspire in Naperville, Illinois. And it's open to the public. It is open to the public. Ryan, you're man, that marketing, <laughs> Um, yeah, if, if anybody wants to come out, Dealer Inspire in Naperville, Illinois, uh, you, you can catch a live show for like maybe an hour or two. I don't know exactly how long I'll play. 
I guess it depends on. Now it's fall themed. Are you going to play fall themed music? I d- what is fall themed music? I, I don't know. I, I don't know where I was going with that one. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll wear fall colors. There you go. Okay. There you go. Um. Yeah. So I'm gonna be playing some music for that. But I like I for a long time I thought I'd grow up and be a musician. Um. Actually took a crack at that for a little while, uh, and it sort of fell through. And then, um, much to your point, like that, it's very demoralizing. Uh, and so I haven't really taken another shot at it since. But you should. Who knows? You know, maybe. Um. But I like it. It my my love and passion for music has has never left. I I literally feel like, uh, I mean, I don't know the science behind this. I feel like there's been studies done, but like music can be very healing. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely is mood altering. Yeah. Uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day, Adam, um, another uh, coworker of ours. Yeah. Uh, I was over at his house, just hanging out, smoking a cigar, having a good time, and we were talking about music. And he was telling me he was at a party the other night, and um, like it was just sort of like dead, mm-hmm. uh, and like nobody was talking, and somebody just in the background turned on '90s music, just like super low key, yeah. like really low volume, uh, just turned on some '90s music, like a '90s playlist. Mm-hmm. And he said it was crazy to watch. Like within like ten minutes, people were like singing along. Everybody's like super high energy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it just music did that. Like nothing else changed. You know, it um, does. And. You know, music. I think music brings people together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's there's something incredible. One of one of my favorite things. I, I don't mind playing like solo shows and stuff like that. I've done that before. But one of my favorite things about music is the ability to like you're literally syncing up with other human beings, doing a separate thing that that perfectly aligns with what you're doing, yeah. and it it's beautiful. And if you're writing music. You're creating something that never existed. Yeah. The the combinations of all the notes. Yep. I mean, it's it, it's it's remarkable. Yep. It's truly remarkable. And it, it, man, it, I mean, I'm a huge country music fan. Um, and it, it's this the the stories they tell in the songs is really what I have grown attached to um, for country music. Uh, and you know, I definitely love '90s music. I love uh, I love jazz. I love. Um, you know, all types of music. I'll listen to every types, you know, hip hop, everything, you name yeah. it. Um, country is probably my number one, I'd have to say. Uh, and it's, it, man, it, it, you, like you, you said it best, like it can change the atmosphere of, of, of anything, of a party, yep. of a gathering, you know, of a workplace. You know, like we sit sometimes and we have no music on, and yep. then we sit sometimes and we have music on, and people are tapping their toes, you know, yeah. and they're out there, you know, they're they're singing too as well. I mean, if 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 there was room enough, I might. If there was a country song on that I really liked, I might get out there and do a little two step, and <laughs> I'll tell you that. I I'm gonna turn on a country playlist tomorrow. We're gonna see what happens. All right, all right. Um, I'll make sure I wear my boots. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Bring your hat too. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I, it's just you know. It's it's crazy what music can do, and it's it's uh, you know the cultural icons that we have, and the people like the people that change. I mean, in the seventies, like there was huge societal and cultural revolution going on, mm-hmm. and music was like at the center of a lot of that, and not like not just the musicians themselves, because like people are people live like you know the rock star lifestyle, quote unquote, yeah. but like the like the music, like John Lennon. Uh, you know, and the Beatles and like, you know, uh, the song Imagine and like the just what the Beatles did for American culture coming over from yeah. from England. And uh, music is so music is is powerful, um, which is why there's I, I feel like there's not a lot of 
there's not a lot of accountability, I think, for for artists, um, because I, I like as much power as it has. I feel like you can do so much harm yep. with that, and some do, mm-hmm. um, and have literally made their careers on on that. Yep. Um, and I think it's very destructive. But you know, like negativity sells, I guess too. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, like, I listen to music for the same reason. I, I the lyrics is like. It's what I live for. Yeah. Um, and then obviously like the music should be good as yeah. well. But uh, yeah, I love music. I do want to go it. back to one point that you, you brought up. Absolutely. That, you know, you really wanted to be a musician and I'm not going to try to go motivational on you, but yeah. I, I've always believed that you cannot be afraid of failure. You can't. You can't be afraid of failure. Failure is not, failure itself has a negative tone to it because it's failure. You failed. But it shouldn't be that way. If you fail, but you gave it your all and you did everything you possibly could and you look back and you said, there's not one thing that I regret that I did and you still fail, then it's not a failure. It's not a failure in the negative word. You still failed, but at least you tried You tried your best at it. So yeah. I, what I would say is just to kind of bring in a little wrestling too as well from John Cena, never give up. Never. I, I won't. I won't. You know what, Ryan? If if nothing else, just personally speaking, absolutely selfishly, if if this conversation isn't good for anything else, it was worth it for that. There you go. Because <laughs> I, you know what, fuck it. Why not? You know, fuck it. Exactly. Why not? You know what? Two weeks of school left. Fuck it. Yeah, that's exactly. a super bad quote. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I I actually want to go back uh, real quick. Uh, you are one of the most. I don't want to sound like I'm just buttering your bread because you're on the podcast, <laughs> but you're one of the most interesting people I've talked to in a while uh, on the podcast and like the, some of the most diverse th- things that you've done, like from creating a random Facebook page for Dallas, the TV show, to like mm-hmm. leveraging that into a <laughs> wrestling character and you're like being a politician and like all this other stuff uh, and a mayor's son, which is cool too. <laughs> um, but like... I, I think it's incredible, and I think I think this ties into like wrestling and like some of the storytelling and all that stuff. But like the one of the things I love, like that that page you said, like grew almost overnight to like that like thousands, five thousand or yeah, so. Yeah, it sits right now, I believe, at somewhere between seventeen and eighteen thousand. Oh, that's incredible. But like you said, it like what what you did is you like you discovered that there's other people out there that are as passionate yeah about that more, maybe more passionate yeah. about that TV show than you are, and definitely more passionate than I am. What's incredible to me is like before we had before we really had the internet right like there was like there's fan clubs there's been fan yep. clubs for years and yep. like I don't know how much of a nerd you were Ryan growing <laughs> up I. Uh, loved being part of fan clubs. Okay. And so I would, I would like, I would rip ads out of like magazines and comic books and like gaming magazines and all this stuff. Okay. And I would like write into fan clubs and I would join fan clubs. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever that there was other people that liked this thing Mm -hmm. as much as I do. And now essentially a Facebook page is a fan club for a thing. Right. And, but you can create it immediately. And what I love about the internet, there's, there's a lot of bad Mm -hmm. that has come with it. But what I love about the internet is you can create community around anything. Anything. And like you were saying, you can, then you can leverage that, like not to be too, too like – Take advantage of like it, but yeah. Capitalistic. I know what but you like, mean. You can leverage that to like – you can do some legitimate good. Some other like, opportunities, yeah. Yeah, and like because – and the, the cool thing is it's all centered around your 
common love of a thing. Yep. And so, like, those people, whatever. Who, yeah, those people who were sitting in a crowd for that those wrestling events, you know, yes, it's it's small. And yeah. some of those people, you know, might not be able to afford going to, like, the, the bigger shows that WWE puts on. And it gets to take them to, it just gets to transport them into a different place and different yeah. time and, the, and nothing on the outside matters like a lot of people are so passionate in that building uh and definitely wasn't because of my character i mean i was a small dot on the radar for that outfit i just was the the, the bad guy that would just kind of get involved and people would hate me um but they would come out and they would have t-shirts for all these local wrestlers and it was just it so was, cool it was so awesome and then just to, to watch them to, to meet their heroes to meet their heroes and some of these guys were police officers in chicago or firemen or you know plumbers or you know normal normal human beings yeah and they just were taking their taking risks with their own body and life to entertain others and it's just i love it i i I couldn't i i just you know they might get a bad rap but man let me tell you those people are good human beings there are some assholes in the business sure um and as as anywhere as anywhere but those people I met in there, I, I, you know, I have some really good friends that you know I haven't seen in a while, but I do still keep in touch, uh, and it, they're just very interesting stories and how they also got to to that too as well. Yeah, I just think that's great. I just I love the idea of community. Yeah. Um, and I love, I just love that it's so accessible. Yeah. Now, and I I just I love <laughs> like something as weird and random as like a TV show from the '70s that came back for a couple seasons, like. You you found thousands of other people yeah. across the world that love that thing as much yeah. as you do, and, and then, definitely more. But you, you you hit the nail on the head. Like it was just it was crazy to see how many people cared. Yeah, how many people cared? You should read some of the comments and messages. I would unfortunately I wasn't able to get to all of them, and I would well, try sure. to reply as much as I could, um, but. The, the passion it was it was crazy i and the the idea that you can start you can start from there right like i i hate the idea of like um not to get too like in the weeds or like anything like that but like when you when people are talking about like cultural diversity i i think it's extremely misguided to be like well i just don't see color like fuck that everybody's different and that's cool mm-hmm. like we should see it and we should celebrate it. Like I, you know, like everybody's important. We need all kinds. And so like, I love the idea that you can start from there though. Like, you know, no, no, nobody has to be just like the next person. I think that's crazy. Yeah. Like, how boring of a it world. It would be so boring. Would, like I, this conversation would suck <laughs> if, if both we of were us the were same per- Yep. Um, <laughs> or probably more likely it would suck more if we were both people. I think it me. might be more interesting if both people were you because <laughs> Because you're, I think you're more interesting than I am. But um, like, I I love the idea that there's so many different kinds of people in the world. But you can start from there. You can start from like, and I, I think it's healthy to start from there. Like, what you know, what do we have in common? Yeah. And I, it's not even like it's not even like we have to have everything in common. We no. don't have to agree on everything. But no. like, what's a thing that we can agree on? And let's start from there. And then that I think that humanizes each person to the other. And then, like, there is just this sense of it's it's I don't know it's very interesting to me psychologically too. But there is a sense of camaraderie that's like, oh, you like a thing I like, yeah, we can be friends exactly. You know, 
Um, but it but it's there. It, you don't have to be exactly alike, and no. and that's that's what's the best part. Like you can have different, you know, you can you can you can feel differently about different things, and that could even bring you close to as well, whether yeah. it's in a friendship or a relationship. Regardless, yeah, I've I have a, a few weeks ago, I had uh, my buddy Joel Gratzik on the podcast. Okay, um, he's brilliant. He does a lot of. Uh, digital stuff as well he does like 360 tours oh cool uh for like for breweries and things like that but um i anybody that's listened to that episode heard me change my mind in real time about something because he like he and i saw differently about something i expressed my view and he like called me on it and was like i i don't think that's right i think this is how it is and i was like you know what you are right like any if you're listening right now i literally just changed my mind in real yep. time because like i heard somebody else's viewpoint and um i I just it's crazy to me to like sequester yourself to like this group of people that just like think exactly like you do yeah which is how i i I said this the other night to i was hanging out with evan but um who has also been on the podcast but uh i that's how i grew up i grew up in a very closed off um religious culture Mm -hmm. uh that was like it's us and then the rest of the world right and like the rest of the world is like you don't don't be around them. Yeah. They don't. They don't know what we know. Mm-hmm. We got to tell them. But until they know what we know, don't be around don't them. Don't be around right? them. Right? Yep. Um, which is, I, I think that that tends to be a problem with a lot of religion. Um, if if you're not careful about it, but I realized at some point, like I grew up around a lot of just like the extreme word would be would be sycophantic, like like drones, right? Like everybody just thought the same thing just bought the same thing hook line and sinker and and refused to question it or were told it was wrong to question it yeah um and you know now that like in the years since i've sort of exited that uh and like just kind of been trying to figure things out on my own i'm like i've been exposed to this whole world of like whole human beings yeah that have their own ideas and thoughts yeah. and aren't afraid to question things and think entirely differently from how I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy shit, there are other ideas in the world. Yeah. And I, like, I literally, it, like, literal culture shock when I decided to, like, step away from some of that stuff. And it took me a while to adjust. But, um, and I think in some way I probably still am and probably will be until I die. But it's, it's the idea of, like, choosing that, choosing to be, yep. like, walled off from other ideas and as opposed to being people. more open-minded yeah yeah how... and, and it's one of the things that's that's funny to bring up like i have always believed as long as you're open-minded you can you can evolve and change and being open-minded is you know you don't have to be you know you don't have to be closed-minded on certain things and you can be if you want to you know kind of stick to your ground and if you truly believe it believe it if that's what you want to believe, then that's fine. But you don't um, know if you truly believe it until you've or heard the, other ideas. Or, or if you're right, too. Yep, yep. So, yep. you know, I've always been open-minded. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it, it, I, feel, I feel like that's part of what makes a person a good human is to be open-minded and also listen. Listen. One of the things that I actually, I, I, I actually listened to on a TED Talk um, and I can't remember the gentleman who was talking about it, is what makes a good leader. And what was really something that hit home with me was what makes a good leader is if you stand there and you're walking by and I say I come up to you and I ask you how your day is, 
I care about that answer. I'm going to sit there, and if you say you have a bad day, it doesn't matter where I need to be. I am right there with you right now. I'm in that moment, and I'm, I'm listening to you, and I'm understanding why your day was bad. And from there, how can I help your day turn around? So since listening to yeah, that, that's so true. since listening to that, I've been trying to work that into my, the way that I interact with people. And I was doing it before too as well because I really do, I, I genuinely care. Like I, I want to be, able, to be able to help people, whether it's people at work or people, you know, outside of work. If there is, if there's something I can do, which there's not a lot, I mean, I don't have a lot of skill set and a lot of different things, but you know, like if I can, if I can do, do the smallest thing to help somebody, I want to do it. And you know, if I find, if seek opportunity, like it's just something that I just, I want to, I want to be a part of. And yeah. Um, that really hit home with me. So, you know, whether it's something along the lines, and, and, I, and, and, I, and I'm not afraid to admit this, you know, if, if it's something along the lines where it's, you know, just, you know, getting involved with um, doing some more admin tasks for some of the people on my team, you know, as a regional director, uh, I'm not afraid to put on the hat of an administrative specialist is what our role, that role was called, mm-hmm. um, and help out and put in to-dos and do different things for my account managers because if I can help lighten the load for them and you know help them get through that day if they're having a tough day I'm going to do that and and you know what there's probably some you know there are people that would disagree in the, on that leadership uh mentality but you know I care so much for the people on my team and even outside the team I care about you too Josh I, okay, I promise I, I, I promise. was tearing up a little bit I don't know if you I saw promise <laughs> I promise um but I care so much about those guys, yeah. and um, you know, I, if I can help in any way, I, I want to make sure that I go out of my way to do that. I think it's great, and I like I've experienced both types of leaders, like the leader that walks up and you know the question, "Hey, how's it going?" is rhetorical, and whatever something you will answer, follow from that, huh? Something will some task will follow from that. Exactly, like whatever you answer, that's not why they walked up, yeah. and so they don't really care about that answer. And I have. To be fair, I have fallen into that as well. well doing it's easy that, to do. yes, yeah, it's easy. Especially, to do. especially if you're super busy, right? And uh, like, so I think there needs to be allowance from like if that ever does happen, like there needs to be allowance from the person who's receiving it to know, like, you know, I know this person is probably not always like this. They're yeah. probably doing something, but I also have experienced a leader that, like you said, walks up and says, like, "How's your day going?" And I know whatever my answer is is going to determine the next five, 10 minutes of their day Yeah, because they really want to know how my day is going. The reason they're not walking up and doing the preliminary small talk before they tell me to do a thing. Mm-hmm. They're walking up and genuinely checking in. Yeah. Um, and that makes a world of difference that like, that is like, if it was only that, like I like, and I entirely agree with what you're saying about like jumping in the trenches and like helping out like mm-hmm. when needed and, Obviously, like you're a regional director for a reason, like you have other responsibilities, but um, there is something to be said for, you know, just going, guys, like, hey, you know, what's on your plate right now that I can help get off your plate? Like yep. that, that to me is, is, uh, that is leadership to me, not like I need, you know, creating deadlines and like, you know, you know, just snapping the whip and everything else. But like I, so I've experienced both types of leaders and, um, even even if it was just the leader that genuinely wants to know how my day is going so that if it's going poorly they can help i mean, that like 
that goes a super long way with me too. I because I would never expect. I think it's great when a leader does, but I'd never expect my leader to be like, "Let me do some of your work for you," or "Let me like jump in and like get involved in something that really has nothing to do with me, other than the fact I'm your boss." I wouldn't expect that. I think it's it speaks volumes about character when somebody does that. But if it's just the person that is like, "Hey, like genuinely, how is it going?" Mm-hmm. Like that, it's just it's incredible. Sometimes all you need is just to be like, "Today was shitty." And here's why. And a person just listens for like five or ten minutes. Yeah. Like maybe there's nothing they can do about it. But just me being able to like say that to somebody who I know genuinely cares about the answer sometimes would be just enough. Yeah. You know. Um, Because sometimes you just need to get it off your chest. Yeah. You just need to, you know, you want someone. As human beings, we, we, we want to talk to people. Yeah. And when you're having Thus a bad, this podcast, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're having a bad day, for someone to come up and ask, like maybe, like you said, like that might be all that they need is just to be able to get it off their chest and have somebody listen to them. Yeah. And you know, like it, that, it, it's 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 so simple. It is simple. Listening, but... listening is a very easy and hard thing to do. Because and the easy thing is, is because you just have to sit there and, and shut up and not let and not speak. Right. The hard thing is, is to digest it and understand what they're saying and to be able to come back with the response if a response is needed. Yeah. Um, and it is it is a very hard task to 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 master at all times. Yeah. Because a lot of times you might have things that are flying around in your head too as well and it's kind of distracting you from actually hearing what that other person is saying. So to kind of go into each conversation, especially if you're going to be asking somebody who looks like they're having a bad day, how how is your day going? you got to have a clear mind. Yes, I agree. And I, like, I think part of what you're speaking to there, too, is the difference between just hearing and actually listening. listening. Yes. Uh, because like I because I so I told you before we started the podcast, like I have my notebook out, and my pen and I'm going to write things down. But it's not because I'm like zoning out of the conversation. It's because I want to come back to something. Oh, I thought it was because I was bored. Um, well, that, too. But uh, <laughs> I was just doodling is really all I was doing. Um, but Were you drawing a bowling that, ball? Absolutely. Yeah. I was trying to make it. <laughs> This is your that trick, man, I can't I'm master blown it. away. Uh, but part of the reason I do that is because I like I genuinely I want to listen. I don't and I, so I don't want to be like hearing what you're saying the whole time with the goal of like I know what I need to say when you're done talking. I don't want to be just waiting for a break. Yes, you know, like I I want to because maybe like whatever I wanted to go back to is not going to be as important as the next thing you say. Yep. that really needs to be you know expanded. So. Part of the reason I do that is so that I, you know, I'm not just like waiting for a break in the conversation to say the thing that I wanted to say. Yep. Um, but so often I think just because we, the human mind tends to run on autopilot. Our brain loves to just get Wander. in automatic mode. Yep. Uh, and so we, I think so often we, because we know how to be normal most of the time, we know like what the normal responses would be just from, even if we're not really like, tuning into the words that are being said from body language, facial expression, tone. We know what's required from us when there is a break in the conversation. Yep. And so we can be somewhere else entirely and still carry on a quote unquote normal conversation with somebody, but there's zero meaning or impact. Yep. Cause you're not um, going to remember it. No. It, ne- well, neither. You're still going to have, you're, yeah, that, that, that's true. And you're going to be able to have at least enough awareness of what the conversation is about yeah. And then be able to then carry it on, like you said. But if your mind is kind of elsewhere and wandering, 
um, whether something's going on, you know, that, you know, professionally, personally, whatever. Um, and then, you know, that's something that's distracting you, yeah. you know, that could be something that would, would do that. And then, like you said, like, then that conversation goes nowhere and it's meaningless. Yeah. And it's, that's not to say that like, you know, things don't come up where your, your mind is just blown. And, uh, so, you know, so I don't think it's wrong to tell a person like, Hey, I really want to tune into this right now, but I am not going to be able to mm-hmm. in the mindset that I'm in. So let's come back to this. Let me like take care of what I need to take care of and I'll circle back with you. But like what you're saying is important to me. So let me do that first. Yeah. You know, like to me, that's like the verbal writing something down. Like mm-hmm. let me circle back when I'm like clear. Um, but I, I just, I don't think so often like we're not present enough to do something like that. And because we're, you know, it, that takes effort. It just takes effort. It does. And it's hard to be present always. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be anything always. Yeah. So, um, so I that I think brings us to the question, the question, the question, the question. Oh boy, podcast, here we Ryan, go. Um, which is since the podcast is called Good Humans, uh, and I think you are a good human. That's why I, I, I had appreciate you on the podcast. Appreciate it. Um, I dis- I discovered that I think you're a good human uh, <laughs> when we had dinner. I didn't think you were a bad human before. Um, just for the record. Okay. Um, <laughs> But uh, so the question I always like to ask is um, what what is being a good human to you? What does that look like to you? Uh, what does that mean? Um, how would you say people can and should be good humans? Uh, and like what are what are you doing in the world that you feel like, you know, is is like contributing to that? Yeah. Um, so, the you know, I can, you know, ramble off a lot of different traits of what a good human is, but I think that the the three, um, yeah, what I would say, I would say, I would say three, two or three um, traits that I would really say that uh, that a good human has to have is um, being honest. I think being honest is the best way um, to go about anything. Being honest in your actions, being honest in your words. Um, cause lying really gets you nowhere. And, uh, another thing that I feel also makes you a good human is, 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 uh, building trust and loyalty that too, as well, um, to being honest also kind of plays into that. Not sure. I didn't do that on purpose, but it plays into it when you're being honest, you're building a trust with another human. Um, and whether that's in a friendship or a relationship, um, those are both very important things about being a good human, being a good person. Uh, and the last one is just being genuine. Be yourself, and it you know you, that you, you you can't be afraid of being anyone but yourself. I love those answers, um, and we could do three podcasts on, <laughs> on each all of three them. of those e- answers. Yes, uh, honesty. Yes, um, I agree. Is uh, I and you know when you meet an honest person. Mm-hmm. You know when you're being bullshitted, even if it's subconscious. You know, yeah, uh, because because you know when you meet an honest person, you know what bullshit looks like. Yes, because that's I think that's what most of us get most of the time. Yeah, and it's not even it's not even on purpose. I think it's just like being genuine is is very vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, most of us are okay with telling the occasional white lie or or whatever. Which I guess is fine. There's like social niceties and stuff like that. Yeah, that like, absolutely. You know, whatever. But um, I think it's it's part of the reason that like 
I going back to like listening and like conversation and all that stuff. I fucking hate small talk. I hate it with an ever loving passion. <laughs> like I I I hate the whole like how's your day? The crazy weather. Um, yep. What do you do for a living? Like all that stuff. Like I hate that. I hate it mm-hmm. because I don't fucking care about any of those things. And so to me, the most honest thing is just to like jump into something. Let's let's find something that we both know or or are passionate about or like want to talk about, and let's talk about that thing. Let's talk about something real, and let's not do the whole like sniffing each other's butts thing of like <laughs> can we have a conversation and if we find that like we're not compatible conversationally then like let's just call it you know like we don't have to do the awkward like well like this i started fun. a conversation so i gotta like stay here for 10 minutes yep. to not be rude i would much rather somebody just be honest and be like hey like i don't think we're vibing <laughs> you know um but we don't do that but like i honesty is so that takes so much effort um, again, like, and it's, it is a very vulnerable yeah. thing, but the opposite I think is it just gets so complicated. Lying just gets so complicated. You can find yourself wrapped up in it. And I like, I'll speak from personal experience in like, there's been seasons in my life where like, I just, you know, almost compulsively, like just get in, you just get in like this mode um, and you tell one and it gets easy to tell the next, mm-hmm. but it gets harder and harder to keep track of, of everything. all of them. Yeah. Uh, Luckily enough, I'm a horrible liar. Usually, usually so am I. <laughs> Normally people who know me can call it, they yeah. can call my BS, which so that as I've grown up, I just, you know, I, I like white lies here and there, like for social nicety, like you sure, said, yeah. I guess. Um, but like lies themselves, like <laughs> I'm I'm just terrible at it, so I'm not even gonna try. My brain also doesn't work fast enough to come <laughs> up with a good one most of the time. No, um, neither. It, but yeah, it does. It just gets so complicated. And then when you because the the truth will come out to to be cliche, but it will like 99 percent of the time it's gonna come out it anyway eventually. So might as well just do it from the first because you're just gonna you're just delaying that and then you're just making everything worse if yeah. if you're starting off lying. So I love that answer. Uh, and then, yes, leading leading into like you're you're building loyalty and trust with people, um, and that's such a huge factor. Like just knowing there are there are people that I know I can count on, mm-hmm. and there are people that I know I can't. Yep, and that's fine. I like there. I'm sure they're also wonderful people, but you know there are people that if I need something done or if I need a favor, or if I need to hand something, you know I got my like four or five people that I know I can call. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, that's huge. That's huge. Um, one of the one of the people that comes to mind for me, uh, he gets a lot of airtime on this show. But his name's, <laughs> his name's Stuart, my buddy Stuart. Um, okay. I've talked about him before, but uh, he's he's one of those guys. My my other buddy Tyler, a couple of guys that like I can call them up pretty much any time, and I know that if if they're not doing anything in the moment, like they'll pick up the phone, and it can be a five minute or an hour, two hour conversation. Um, but that, you know, they make time, um, yeah. and, and I do the same for them. And, uh, I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so then lastly, um, so we've got honesty, building loyalty and trust, and then being genuine, like being yourself. Yep. And, um, all, all of these things I feel like take immense effort. They do. Uh, and I would say arguably being genuine 
genuinely yourself, being wholly yourself may be the hardest Mm -hmm. one. Because how do you even know what that is? Yeah. Right? How do you know the opportunities to be genuine, be vulnerable? And and you can't overdo it, um, but you don't want to underdo it either. No. And you don't, like, you don't, there's a fine line between, like, being yourself and the idea of yourself. Yes. To to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And depending on, like, how you grow up and who you grow up around and, like, all that stuff, like, that all factors into the person you become. But then, like it also factors into the person you feel like you should be. Um, and so there's, there's like, there's this like weird, uh, there's this weird interplay between like who we aspire to be, you know, who we are aspirationally versus who we actually are in the moment and who we are in the moment tends to be like to us, the shitty version of ourselves, like the, yeah. the version of ourselves that hasn't gotten there mm-hmm. yet. Right. And I think there's something so beautiful about, um, I actually talked about this a couple episodes ago, but there's something so beautiful about just being. And when a, when a per, when another person gives you the permission or allowance to just be flaws and everything, there's there's nothing you don't you you will never feel more seen uh, or more valued or more connected. I think than when another person gives you that opportunity to just be. Yeah. And to just be, like you said, vulnerable mm-hmm. and and flawed and you know and wonderful and individual and everything. Yeah, that's beautiful. It is great answers. It 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 might be majestic. I you know what we'll say it's majestic. Okay. We'll just we'll just say it is. <laughs> um, I just like it's it's literally like one of the reasons the podcast is called Good Humans. Um. I, I tossed I had a I had a list. I had like a list of like 30, 40 things that I was considering calling the podcast. I did a lot of research. I did I spent a lot of time, spent a lot of time on it. <laughs> and Good Humans was not even on the list. Um and I like I was just sort of talking through with my wife. I was just sort of talking through like what I wanted it to be about and um I stumbled on this and the reason I love the word human so much, the reason I opened the podcast with you know, hello people of earth is I, I, I wanted to be very clear that like, we're talking about all of humanity. We're not talking about, you know, this is, this is like, we are all humans. We're not all the same. We're all very different, but we are all humans. And so, you know, what happens to one of us happens to all of us. Yeah. Or at least we should feel that way. Um, and so I, I think, I think being yourself is important and that there are ways you can work at that. You you need to be introspective mm-hmm. and figure out who you are. But on the other side of that, people need allowance to be that. They need to feel like they're allowed to be that. Absolutely. We got to create space for each other. Yeah. Um, great answers. All great answers. <laughs> I love those. I love those answers. Um, we covered a lot. We did. Uh, is there anything that we did not talk about that you wanted to make sure we talked about? Um, just go on there and get your audible, buddy. <laughs> I don't even need to. I don't even need to close it out. Um, but I'm gonna. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, we we probably are gonna need to do this again. I, I think because I feel should. like I feel like. You're, what did you say, you're 29 now? Yes. There's a lot of things in your 29 years that we did not cover that I feel like <laughs> would be just as interesting as everything we talked about today. 
Um, so, uh, are you are you, like are you cool with so what the Dallas Facebook page? What exactly is that called? How can people find that? Yep. So that is uh, on Facebook. If you search Dallas, um, get the Ewings a new network. That would be what would come up. Okay. Um, and then on YouTube, you can just look up my name, Ryan Kwasniewski, uh, and you'll be able to find some of the videos that we reference to as well. And then if you're looking for the wrestling page, that is also a Facebook page, um, you can find him on uh, Twitter. And Facebook for RJ Ewing. Okay, I was gonna say like I, you know, tell definitely tell people where that stuff is. Yeah, because I'm sure people are gonna want to hit you up about uh, any and all of that. <laughs> um, so that's great. Uh, and then um, yeah, I think that's it. I don't really have anything to plug on my end. Um, so uh, except you know, go get your audio uh, or your Absolutely. Audible free book. Um, that's AudibleTrial.com/slash/GoodHumans. So check that out. Uh, yeah, guys, uh, grab your stickers from the website as well. Goodhumanspod.com. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got. That's enough. That's more than enough. We're good. Um, (laughs) this is a great episode. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it too. Um, okay. Definitely open to coming back. Yeah, I, I think, I think we'll definitely have you back. We'll have my people talk to your people. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, (laughs) we'll pencil it in. Uh, it just means we're, we're probably going to text each other tomorrow or yeah, something or during our dinner or something. Yeah. We do need to get dinner again. We do. We got to stop d- saying that and we actually We actually got to do it. Yeah. Um guys, thank you so much for listening. I sometimes I feel bad cuz I feel like these conversations end up being more of just like me and a friend hanging out and I sometimes I forget that there's an audience there listening, but I, that may be the best conversations too. I don't know. But either way, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I think it was interesting. Um I learned a lot about uh uh local politics and wrestling that I didn't know before. Uh, and, and even guerrilla social media marketing, um, which is, that's probably another topic that we could jump into too. Cause I, Absolutely. there's a lot there for sure. Yep. Uh, that I know we can talk about. So, um, I, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being here. Uh, and yeah, that's it until next week. Be good to each other. <laughs>